But I still wasn't ready to surrender. I still wanted to like, you know, have my time, my fun, go out and do my things. And I mean, I wasn't, this is a kid who grew up in the church whose dad's a minister and I never read my Bible. I can't remember praying, you know? If somebody honestly asked me if you were going to heaven or hell, I did not know the answer to that question. And I think that's what really kind of, um, that really struck me, you know? So you could be doing all the things and be raised a certain way and still not know. I was originally born in Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean, um, moved here, moved to the States and to Miami when I was about five years old. Mm. Lived in Miami for about four years and then relocated to the DC area in um, when I was around nine. So I've been up here ever since. Do you have a religious background? I do, I grew up in the church. My dad is a preacher, so I'm a PK, preacher's kid. And we grew up Pentecostal Assemblies of God. What age did you surrender your life to Jesus? I had a very clear uh, memory of accepting Christ when I was about six years old. We were living in Florida, and um, it was a service, and it was a, it was a call, and I accepted the call, and I, I remember very vividly that it was um, something that I was led to do, that my heart wanted to do, and it was a very earnest and honest um, answer to that call. Yeah, to accept Christ. How did that? How did that affect your life in at? six years old right like mm. you 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 say okay i'm gonna follow jesus um what did that do in your life at that time well i think there's sometimes i when i share that part of my testimony there's skepticism of like wow can you really understand at six right. years old what you were doing um and the only response i have to that is that i i remember very clearly that i that my heart wanted to do that wow. maybe not having a full understanding of everything that came after that point but getting receiving Christ and um, salvation and deciding to walk a Christian life was something that at that age I knew I wanted. Um, my dad, obviously, you know, being a minister and, and raising us in the church, this was always talked about in our home. It was just a part of our life. So it didn't seem, honestly, like a big transition. It was just, this is what I, you know, my heart wants to do. And, um, and yeah, so that's... Yeah. How did, how did your life develop uh, from there, right? As as mm-hmm. you're following Jesus and as you're growing in a in a home with you know with your dad being a pastor, um, how did that affect your life as you became a teenager and as you grew up? So I think I, I would describe it mostly as you know just like do, kind of doing what is expected of anyone that is living a Christian life. Um, I would probably today describe it more as religion religion-based versus a relationship. Um, so you go to church on Sunday, twice on Sundays, you do your stuff during the week, you know, you um, obey your mom and dad and, you know, do your chores and do what you're supposed to do when you're younger. Um, and we hosted, you know, Bible studies in our home. And so it was never really a question of not living that way for me. Um, but it was just this foundation that was um, just laid from a very early point. And I think honestly, as my life progressed and things changed, that foundation is something that kept me anchored from I think getting into straying too far away and getting into some other things. And so, it really laid a, a groundwork for, you know, who, who I am and yeah. how I was to live. 
Now, you did have a, a moment where you had a moment where you strayed away from the Lord. Can you talk a little mm -hmm. bit about that and, and what sure. happened that led you to that? Yeah, so I around high school, I can remember just wanting to, like, I just questioning, right? Not questioning who God was and who Jesus was, but <clears throat> is this life really what I want? And... I wasn't seeking any other religion. I just wanted to experience what was in the world and do what my friends were doing and, you know, go out and, and getting into college and, and partying and drinking and going to clubs. I never got too crazy. I think I always had that. Like I said, I always had that foundation and that anchor of, okay, you know, you know the life you're supposed to live. You yeah. know what the Bible teaches. You know what sin is. But the rebellious part of me wanted to experience all of those things. What did you did your dad have anything to say about it, or did he get involved in that time? You know, I I don't I don't think my parents obviously were thrilled about it. Um, but and and you know they obviously they weren't happy about it. But at the same time, I kind of was like, I'm just gonna I'm doing what I want. Right. And I was always, it was weird. It was this dichotomy of I was always really responsible and going to school and getting good grades and working and, you know, I paid my way through college and I'm always like doing all the things. And so I think in my mind, I justified that as like, if I want to go out and have a little bit of fun and relax and go hang out with my friends, you know, till two in the morning, I want to do that. So it was a, it was a, it was a conflict. Um, and I think honestly, looking back, they were probably just, I just had really strong praying parents that just were praying for me through all of that. But it did cause some conflict, um, more so actually with my mom than my dad, because I think my dad was like, okay, she's got to figure this out and the Lord's got her at some point. But um, it was, it was tension for a lot of, a lot of years with my, with my parents because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about the outcome of, of those decisions? <clears throat> yeah. So I was um, in a relationship I would say the biggest impactful experience was I was in a relationship for about six years um, through most and of my- And this happened in, in college or this after was, college? This was in college, yeah. And um, a little after college, I was about 23. And um, first, like, probably say I would say first serious relationship. So poured everything I had into it, you know, and did all the things and experienced everything that you do and was vacationing together with, with, that, with my ex and- obviously like living sinfully and and it ended really badly. And um, the day before my 29th birthday, it kind of imploded. And I was just remember being so broken. And I was like laying on the bed in the fetal position, just crying. And I was like, Lord, I can't do this. Like, I can't take this, this pain is like too much. You know, most people, in crisis, you run away from God or you run to God. And because I think I had that found, that ever steady foundation that was always there, I ran to God and I started going back to church with a friend of mine and her family out of desperation and just out of all this pain. Um, and it still took me a few years to really submit and to really make a decision like, okay, this is how I want to make a change in my life. Yeah. But that was the beginning, that the end of that relationship. Because it was, you know, at the time I thought it was everything. Like I was going to marry this person, this was going to be that. But looking at the time, I remember distinctly my brother gave me the best advice. And he said, you know, 
you're not married to this person. You don't have kids with this person. You don't own a house with this person. He goes, I know it hurts really badly, but you can make a clean break. And in the midst of all the the, the blurriness of the pain, like that really, that hit with me. And um, it took me a few years to get over that. I think I was probably angry for a couple of years. Um, but the Lord healed, you know, as I was like clawing my way back to church and my relationship with the Lord. Um, what did that process look like as you humbled yourself and as the Lord began to work again in your yeah. life or begin to do that <clears throat> process? I, you know, I still wasn't fully submitted. I was like, okay, I know that I should be living for the Lord. I know how I was raised. Clearly whatever I was just trying to do in the world did not work yeah. um, apart from him as it never does. <laughs> Um, but I still wasn't ready to surrender. I still wanted to like, you know, have my time, my fun, go out and do my things. And I mean, I wasn't, this is a kid who grew up in the church whose dad's a minister and I never read my Bible. I can't remember praying. You know, if somebody honestly asked me if you were going to heaven or hell, I did not know the answer to that question. And I think that's what really kind of, um, that really struck me, you know, so you could be doing all the things and be raised a certain way and still not know you know, who you are. Yeah. And so it was a few years in there after that relationship ended of me trying to get back to the Lord of, of still just, I think he was just writing me to like, okay, you have to submit and you have to submit and like, you have to really decide to turn your life over. And um, that happened. What, probably, does, what does submission mean for Rhea? Giving up control. <laughs> um by nature, I'm. I, don't, I wouldn't say I'm a control freak. I just I'm a planner. Yeah. Because um, I do. There's a part of me that's very spontaneous, and I like doing spontaneous things. But I like order. I like planning. I mean, I've I've had a job since I was 14. I've you know gone to school. I've done all these things. And I've always liked the stability of that order. But when you do that, you create your own circumstances. Mm. And so, really coming to the Lord was like, hey, you don't orchestrate your steps. I do. So, so are you ready to like give that up? And I was like, no. For a few years, I was like, nah. Like, I I love you and I want you, but I still wanted to to make things happen. And there was a lot of hurt that was there from the breakup that he had to mend, mm-hmm. you know, and he had to really heal. Yeah. So submission is just, you know, like now I understand it is it's a true death to your old life. Yeah. What yeah. what made you fully submit? God intercepted in my life through a person, and he sent, who's not my spiritual father, he sent him into my life probably when I was a few years ago. It was around 31, 32. And um, he started, he actually was a family friend. He, he grew up with my aunts and uncles, and I didn't know that in Trinidad. And just by happenstance and chance at a wedding, he came into my life and really started to pour in and to minister and to teach me about born-again life, about an identity in Christ, what that meant and it, it truly was for the first for the first time I heard it's not about fixing your Adamic nature, that Adam man that we're born into. It's not about fixing up that person. Because at that time, like Rhea had thirty plus years of stuff. There's a personality atti- attached to her. There's mistakes t- t- sin attached to her. There's, you know, likes and dislikes and mm-hmm. desires attached to her. And he taught me when we really turn our life over and submit to the Lord, we die to that person. We don't make that person better. We don't fix that person, but it's a true death to that life. And so 
remember having this visual of, you know, I think in Ephesians it says, you know, we we put on the new man. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I really had a visual of when Christ died up on that cross, Rhea died on that cross. Mm. And everything that came with her and everything that was in the past was put to death. But it's uh, it doesn't happen overnight. And a lot of times, like, we want to die to ourselves, but we're, like, still circling the cemetery where that dead man is. It's mm. like you have to really leave it alone. And in that, any any minister, any disciple into my life, very one on one, and just poured in and poured in, and it was it birthed this desire and this hunger for the word that I'd never had. Yeah. And um, it was really like a feeding, like I couldn't get like a new babe in Christ, right? You could, just couldn't get enough. Yeah. And um, that started me really understanding the shift of what you focus on is what you become. So if I'm focusing on who I was. And all the the sin that happened there, or even even the, the trials and temptations of the day, rather than focusing on the life in Christ, and that's what's going to manifest. That's what's going to become. So I just was intentional about, okay, well, I have this life of Christ in me. Jesus's life is now my life. What does that look like? And I started studying this man. Who is he? What did he say? How did he think? How did he feel? How did he move? Because if I'm adopting him and if I'm putting that man on, I need to know who that is and what that. What looks did you like. find? Um, I found a, uh, again, it was just complete surrender to doing his father's will. I found, um, I started to understand how God created us pre-fall, the original design. I always call it like the original blueprint. What did it look like before sin entered? And then you realize like there's, there's only two forces that operate in this world. Mm. It's either going to be coming from the spirit of God or the spirit of the devil. And that's it. And that's pretty black and white. But so it changed every conversation that I have with people, what spirit is coming to me. Mm. So if it's not a spirit of God and that person's like making me angry or making me upset, for me, I stopped looking at the person and taking it personally. And I'm like, I started looking at the spirit and I started addressing the spirit and the person. And that removed a lot that freed me from a lot of things because then I knew how to move and operate and pray into that. So really learning about Jesus' life and how he operated that way and that spirit-to-spirit connection that he had with his father was um, was really, really significant in, in changing the way that I moved in our relationship. Yeah. Now, Ray, what I love about your story, too, is that obviously you're still going through that process as, as we're mm-hmm. all going through that process, right? And mm-hmm. we're getting to know Jesus. And I would love for you to share even the recent mm-hmm. encounter that, that you had with the Lord. Yeah. Right, because it's, it's, he's still working through you. Yeah. So, if you don't mind, of course. So, um, <clears throat> when that spiritual father came into my life, um, he had a ministry, and I was part of that ministry for about five years. And um, it was an online ministry, so it was with people all over the like Canada and the U.S. and Trinidad, all over the world. But it was online, and so what it did was it taught me really for five years how to be disciplined and not be physically with people. So. Ironically, when the pandemic hit, I was like, oh, this is great. Like, I already know how to do this. You know, I've been doing this for five years, not being able to gather. But I got to a point in my walk where the Lord was growing me and moving me and was like, I I needed to be in physical community and prayed and prayed and prayed about it. And honestly, like with a chance encounter with uh, Pastor Greg at a Starbucks, as many of us have had, um, he I, I I came to the church that I'm at now, King of the Nations. But I knew growing up 
from going to church camp and Bible camp before that the move of God works in very powerful ways. And there was laying on, laying on of hands and speaking in tongues and a healing that really, and deliverance that really is real. The things that Jesus did in the Bible, it's fair game. It, it, it's what our life is. It's, um, it's how he moved in his ministry. And so about a month ago, I went to a conference and um, the Lord has been working since the beginning of this year in my life in teaching me how to set boundaries, teaching me how to let go of relationships that I, that can't go with me to the next season that he's putting me in. And so it's been a process up until about a month ago and leading me into this conference. And I went to this conference, and I think I was just in a place where I was so open I was so open for God to do something different, and I was so ready to be done with the way that like things were going, and really in like a childlike position of, okay, God, whatever you want, like Abba, whatever you want to do, let's do it, you know. And so it was a three-day conference, and I went like the second night, and there was a really powerful speaker that first night that I went, and um, she's speaking about generational curses and. Um, just breaking like bloodline blessings and things I had not like I'd kind of heard about, but not really addressed in my own life and in my own family's life. And the first night, um, she's finishing speaking and she's moving through the crowd. I'm like halfway in the room and she looks at me and I was wearing a pink dress and she points at me and it was like the look of God. And she goes, you and that pink, the girl in the pink dress, God has been highlighting you all night. And she beelines for me and I just lose it because in that moment I felt like God was looking at me and God was walking towards me and I couldn't hide I just like fell back in my chair and I started bawling I just could not hide you can't hide from the father and I felt like he saw me and she came over to me and she said she was like she put her hands on my head and it was the tenderness of a mom but it was the voice of God so strong in my ear and she was like it's over this is done this chapter of your life is done, like receive the healing. God's like moving you into new things. And it was like this just like cry and wail from this deep place inside of me that I I never cried before. And um, I, without a doubt, know that God, that was the voice of God speaking into my life. And um, so that was the first night that I went. <clears throat> the next day I went. Um, I get into like a workshop and I come in late, like to the tail end of someone's presentation. And he just says like, anybody that wants ministry or wants deliverance, come up to the front. So now I'm just like, yep, yeah, we're doing this. Like I am all about it. Lord, whatever you want to do, let's do it. So I go up and um, we had, you know, a couple of our pastors from here attend the conference. And I just, you know, remember um, I had been watching deliverance videos leading up to that. So I kind of knew what to expect and I kind of knew what it could look like or else I think I would have been really freaked out. <laughs> and he just says, he goes, you know, we got to renounce things. We have to say, speak over your life and, and separate and break covenants with things. And so we're doing all of that. And my eyes are closed. And I just, one of our, um, one of our pastors, our youth pastors comes over to me and he just starts praying over me and Johnny Santos, and he starts praying over me, and he's speaking into every hurt place in my life and in my heart, and it's God just, like, freeing me, and I just, I start getting deliverance, and I'm crying. That same, like, guttural cry is coming from inside of me, and 
you know, he's like, you're being delivered, you're being delivered, you're being set free in this moment. And I'm just crying and crying. And it's like all this stuff came out and then you're coughing. And then it's like, you know, it's the whole experience. And um, then I'm on the floor, slaying the spirit. It was beautiful. Um, and so that was the moment that um, I had been wanting. And I really feel like it severed a lot of things in my life separated me from a lot and um it was like um the next day like the last well the, that night the end of the conference I get called out again by <laughs> the main speaker and he's like you you in the yellow you need oh, he healing had, he had his eye on <laughs> I was like what is Lord happening was... I was like so two days in a row I get called out by both speakers I was like all right Lord all right let's do this I'm cool and he prayed over my he my knee for healing and um you know, I think, I feel like a lot of times when they, like, they someone prays over you and they're like, does it feel better? I feel pressure to be like, well, if I say no, like, are people not going to believe? And I realized the Lord was like, no, you can get prayer for your healing and it manifests the next couple of days or the next week. So, right. um, but it, but it did, it, it felt better in, in that time. And I told him that. And, um, but again, it's just being, being called out twice. I was like, I knew the Lord was, I was there for him, you know? And then I felt so light. I felt so light and I felt free and I felt this joy that oh, I just haven't felt in a long time. And um, came into church the next day with everybody here and they're like, oh yeah, she got, like she got saved all over again. And, um, and since then, a short month ago since that's happened, I can say for the first time in my life, I'm not holding on to anything Thing that um, is of my own. Like, I think even if you are 99% submitted to the will of God in your life, he will come after that 1% with everything because he he's a jealous God and he wants all of you. And for me, I had been holding on to that 1% and he was like, no. You know, and, and it wasn't just him, but I was also in a position of, Okay, I'm just I'm just done. Like something has to change, you know. And and one of the speakers at the conference said something that stuck with me. He goes, "Deliverance is for the desperate." Like if you when you really get to that place where you are done with the way your life looks, and I'm listen. And I was I've been walking with the Lord, and I've been just diligent and faithful, and just being patient. But I think I got to a point where I felt like I wasn't. God didn't see me anymore. Like He knew I was there. But I felt a little forgotten about. And <clears throat> even though everybody would say to me, no, he sees you, right? Like he sees what he's doing in your life. And he sees like he's working on you spiritually, even though you can't see it in the physical and the natural. But you hear that enough and you're just like, okay, like why is stuff happening all around? <laughs> like yeah. I'm not moving forward. So you think. And so even in the last month, just this new place of let your will be done and not mine and you must increase and I must decrease, like those things are really hitting home. And I'm really living it out for the first time. And I'm so protective now of, of that relationship and that closeness that I don't want anything to come in the middle of that mm. and to deter me or to distract me from it because it's such a, special, such a special closeness that I've just not had before yeah. because there was still my own desires, not that they're bad to have them, 
but there were still my own desires that I was chasing. Even if I didn't think I was chasing them, I was really chasing them mm. because there was a preoccupation, you know, in my mind and my heart with it. I mean, even just last night, I was just like one o'clock in the morning and I just, this wave came over me of like, you are enough. I see you. I see you and you're enough. And when you go through experiences in the world, through either relationships or just how you were brought up or whatever, at some point in the light, like there's a narrative that comes in where you're not enough um, and you start to believe that mm. <laughs> or you start to feel forgotten. And Jesus comes in and it was like, no, I made you, you're mine and everything in you is is enough. And when you're in the world and you don't feel like sufficient in the world, when Jesus looks at you and, and is like, you're enough, that's everything. Yeah. That's everything you could want. And so it's it's forming in me, and I feel like this this um, this love and this falling in love with him in a new way is just growing more and more, and it's like bubbling up more and more. Um, and I'm excited. I'm excited to see like now. I just feel like whatever you want to do. It's like I have this visual of like you know the, like a little kid when they're standing there and they just hold their arms up to their parents and they're just like, and that's that's me. I'm just like, all right, God, like pick me up, put me wherever, do whatever you want to do in my life, and. And I'm in this season, I've shared this before with some friends, where he has me in a season of yes to just say yes to whatever he puts before me. Because the old me would, like, contemplate and figure it out and analyze. And you can always talk yourself out of something and you can find a hundred reasons to say no. But the challenge he has for me now is, like, just say yes and see see what I do. Because it's not... It's the Holy Spirit working through me now, you know, when you really are, when you're really surrendered to him. And I know now that um, he like wants to blow my mind. And so I move every day and I'm expectant. I'll put him in a place of like expectancy where, yeah, okay, I'm going to say yes, because I'm going to expect you to blow my mind. I'm going to expect mm-hmm. you to show me things that I've never seen and do things I've never I've never done. And um, as uncomfortable as it is. I am in my flesh, as um, un, as just foreign as it might be. Um, I I just keep answering the call to say yes, and he just keeps blowing my mind, and so it just makes me want to do it more and more. And so it's a great it's a great place. How old are you, by the way? I'm 41. So looking back at these 41 years of mm-hmm. of you being in in on this earth, God willing, you have. Many more, many more to yes. come. But just looking at these yeah. these last years, um, what can you say Jesus has done in your life? Mm. He's given me a freedom. It's the first thing that comes to mind. Is this is a freedom that I have, or I don't I don't worry and I don't think about the next step. I really just today, you know, tomorrow like knows its own troubles. Yesterday's gone. I wake up every day, and my prayer is. Who do you want? This is my prayer. Lord, who do you want to talk to through me today? Who do you want to have an encounter with today through me? Because I'm just the vessel. And being obedient to that call when it happens and really sharing this life because you can grow up in the church and you can, you know, do all the things, but until you understand the relationship, until you... Um, know that there's a freedom in this 
I mean, there's days I wake up, people think I'm crazy, but I wake up and I'm like, all right, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to wear? Like, I don't, I don't it's that, it's that close. It's that intimate, you know? Yeah. And he will, he'll like show me something that I forgot about or, so it's really just letting every step be orchestrated just for today. When I wake up tomorrow, God willing, he wakes me up tomorrow, I'll, I'll do it then. But today it's like, how do I just live and walk in the presence with him? and um, be obedient to whatever he's doing or showing or teaching me for that day and um, making sure that Jesus shows up wherever I go because that's who they see. Yeah, That's the life they see. For anybody that's, that's watching or listening to your testimony right now, what are some last words that you can offer to them? Hmm. Um, there's hope in a way that you can't even imagine. God loves you and it doesn't matter what you think you've done. It doesn't matter how disqualified you may feel. He still wants you and he's going to always want you. And when you get tired enough and you get exhausted enough by the things of the world and by doing it your own way, know there's, know there's another option and he's waiting for you. And he'll always wait until you're ready.